Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. But the person who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. Your body will always be dead because of sin. But if Christ is in you, then the Spirit gives you life because Christ made you right with God. Romans 8, verses 9 to 10. Paul here is really laying it down about sin and Christ's redemption, isn't he? The readings through this season of Lent in regard to Christ being the light in the world and our blindness when we ignore his gift of salvation and eternal life with God really do hammer the truth home. When we choose to live in a dark cave because we're so stubborn and won't give ourselves up to Christ, we lose out on his peace and comfort, seeking instead earthly pleasures. The phrase, earthly pleasures, when I was young, conjured up eating too much chocolate or watching too much TV or even reading instead of studying. Earthly pleasures don't have to be sins in and of themselves. They can be the ways we calm ourselves down, listening to classical music, going to a movie, even doing a yoga class, without first deliberately turning our problems, worries and stresses over to Christ. There's nothing wrong with seeking the earthly pleasures that cup of coffee to give us a lift. But without remembering God, without praying, without surrender, the caffeine wears off, the calmness of the yoga mat vaporizes, the quiet of the meditation tape goes out the car window. There's no lasting peace without God. Surrender. Pick up your cross and follow him. Belong to Christ so that your body will not be dead to sin. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who were not their mother. Together, we came up with a lifestyle that will leave me knowing without a doubt that I gave my all and my children are well equipped to go it alone as the unique beings they were created and encouraged to be. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers, from the secular to the missionary, whose methods of education range from the academic to the child-led. They all put their children above their highest joy, and schooling becomes a suffix according to the lives they lead, from boating to biking to trekking. Homeschooling can be done anywhere. In my journey, I've used the tools God gave me to live my life fully. Really, it's all there inside me. I've moved in and out of my comfort zones. Children will do that to you. Gaining insights and delights along the way, which I'm happy to share with you. No matter how you view education, take one step at a time into a world where you can embrace the learning that takes place around you and inspire others, as my guests do along the way. With or without my children underfoot, My life is often ordinary, always busy, and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it starts and ends with God, the beauty of his creation, a smiling face, the rising moon, a rousing piece of music, or a simple hug. 
If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of PG tips to fortify this time together, then a piece of chocolate cake to tickle your taste buds, and thank you for staying. But I understand. You're on that side, and I'm over here broadcasting from Richardson, Texas. After the first break, Jennifer Miller, a frequent guest on World Traveller, will be joining me to talk about how she's letting her children go, encouraging them forward, not holding on tightly. So stay tuned. I'm all set. Grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNennies, where we take up the baton of socialization and enjoy the company of our children for a few weeks. Are you ready? This week, I've been extremely busy. There's something to do with its show guests coming at me hard and fast and having to talk to them and work out when they're going to air or even record them in advance for a later date. I used to think recorded shows would give me a break, but for some reason they make me very busy because having to come up with content for two or three shows at a pop is very difficult. I had to write for my critique group last week too, and I haven't even looked at my blog, not to mention that while I'm in town I want to visit with my children, find time to have lunch or coffee with friends, go to services at church and maybe see a few films at one of the many cinemas in the area. There are some old films I'd like to see, The Book Thief for one and Philomena, and of course our boys are longing for us to see Noah so they can discuss it with us. Luckily it's been raining so the pressure to walk has been lifted. Whew, have I worn you out yet? I told you, country life was quiet. Welcome to the Metroplex. Only three weeks to go before we head to Florida. Hmm. <laughs> when we first arrived at the hotel, which is a converted complex of one-story apartments, I had an upstairs room in which to write, but there wasn't a chair or a desk. So I was using my lap desk with my Mac MacBook Pro on my lap while sitting on the bed. Yep, that might sound comfortable, but after two hours, my legs began to get pins and needles, and my back complained bitterly. My blue-eyed cowboy had put in a request for a chair and desk for upstairs, and after two days, they brought over an office chair, fine, and a coffee table, not so fine. Off we went to buy some risers that college students use to raise their dorm beds. We found them at one of the mega stores, and they worked perfectly. My desk now has taken on some character, and its legs resemble a Clydesdale horse's. I set it in the corner of the room and still use my lap desk to raise my computer just a little more, but it's perfect and I can write for longer stretches of time without the temptation to take a nap. Having housekeeping every day is good too, except we refuse them more often than not because we're both busy working and I make the bed anyway. When they do come, if we've popped out, the place smells so clean and we have new towels and sheets. Sometimes I even walk out without making the bed. I'm turning into some kind of a hotel-dwelling slob. When I was preparing for the show, I went into Jennifer Miller's website, www.edventureproject.com, and found a couple of thoughtful blogs she'd written on two topics we love, education and socialization. I asked for permission to use her insights loosely on today's show since she is my guest and I've not talked about either of these topics for a while and she said, of course, thanks for asking. So here goes. Jennifer, in answering a question about how she defines her and her husband's lifestyle, 
For those of you who don't know yet, the Miller family have just finished an open-ended world tour that lasted for many years. In fact, they've been travelling non-stop for six years now, and it's definitely a way of life for them that they thrive on. The definition of her lifestyle goes like this: We have a very specifically defined educational philosophy, and this lifestyle best fits our educational and social goals for our children. In short, to be prepared to live life on any continent, follow their passions, be educated to the highest degree. University is not viewed as optional in our family, and to be socially equipped to function across culture and age gaps. Jennifer and her husband Tony call what they do adventuring, and they waited until their four children were big enough so that they could all actively provide input and desires related to travel and education. Now, don't get Jennifer wrong here; she does school on the road, formal school, not just live in the culture type school. As she says, college is not optional, so all her children will be fully equipped once they graduate to be contributing members of society. Jennifer says, "We're not afraid to make them learn something that we view as necessary for their adult and future lives. Their educations are our first priority, as I imagine is true of all parents who are invested." While Jennifer is not anti-public school, she feels it isn't for her family. Which, now you know, they love to travel. It's obviously it isn't. She feels the system itself is contrary to how life looks in the future once we've left the one-size-fits-all institutions of public education. Socialization rears its ugly head here because, for some reason, everyone thinks our homeschooled children are being deprived of meaningful peer friendships. Jennifer says of this. The assumption that institutional schooling and age-specific friendships are more real or normal in some way than alternative schooling and multi-generational living doesn't fit with their beliefs that the reverse is true. Institutional schooling is a relatively new phenomenon, and it's widely recognised that one size does not fit all in terms of education. And as to age-specific friendships. Our current age-segregated philosophy of child rearing and schooling has skewed our long-term perspective on this. I wrote a blog a few weeks ago about multi-generational living, where I cite the way the health services in England encourage elderly people to stay in their homes in their neighbourhoods for as long as they can, with help both from family or health caregivers. If we don't believe our elderly should be segregated into places where There are only like-aged people. Then, why do we think it's all right for our children? Jennifer echoes my ideas completely when she asks, "When in life does a person spend eight hours a day with twenty other people of exactly his own age and experience? Only in school or the military, both artificial social constructs." And it's time for me to go on my first break. You're listening to the Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet Radio, and I'm Vivian McNenny. Off you go and replenish your drink, and I'll be back with my guest after these messages. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNenny, the Sociable Homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, a live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon, starting at three, two central on Toginet.com. 
Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo, dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Dive into the info and enjoy everything from celebs to entertainment news to recipes, quilting and needlework, knitting, painting, woodworking, Christmas crafts, and so much more. This show boldly encourages you to discover and harness your own creative spirit by living creatively every day. For more on Mark and the show, check out marklepinski.com. Don't miss the fun. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet Radio, and I'm delighted to introduce you to my guest this week, Jennifer Miller. Jennifer is a frequent guest on my show. You can hear her on past interviews by visiting my site, The Sociable Homeschooler. She and her husband, Tony, and their four children have taken a pause from their open-ended tour of the world and are in New Hampshire until the end of May, when they're all taking off on multiple adventures before reconvening for an Alaskan cruise. I have no doubts that life aboard a floating hotel will be embraced by the whole family as yet another slice of life to add to the uncommon childhood Jennifer and her husband are bequeathing their children. Pop over to www.adventureproject.com, where Jennifer and her lifestyle will razzle and dazzle you and you'll want to virtually if not actually join the family adventure wherever it takes them as they point their children towards dreaming big doing hard things working like crazy serving with their whole hearts and not being afraid to fall flat on their faces in the attempt of the seemingly impossible jennifer welcome back to my show this afternoon Thank you, Vivian. What an introduction. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I try to make it sort of, well, you, everybody is so vibrant who comes on my show because I am busting the stereotype of homeschoolers who really, you know, stay don't home. fit the mold. Yeah, stay home. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, anyway, I mentioned that you are now living in America at the moment and not traveling. So tell us a little bit about that decision. Um, well, it's interesting that you put it that way because to us it still feels as though we're, we're traveling. We okay. um, we don't have a home, so we're renting here just like we do everywhere else that we are. Mm-hmm. And we're only here for about four months um, just mainly to get the older two children their driving mm-hmm. licenses, which is something that we couldn't figure out how to do abroad. Oh, right. And also reconnecting with the grandparents and, and um, friends because we had been away for about two years this time. So mm-hmm. it's been a really nice way to spend the winter. So how how long were you actually, or have you been out traveling? I know the last time we spoke, it was four years of continual travel, or five, and as each year passes, there's another year added to that. So yeah, well, it's uh, April now, so it's been just over six years since we took off, sold our house, and and started traveling. You know, I think people should understand that that doesn't mean that we're living in hotels every night for six years. What Mm -hmm. that means often is that we rent a place for a month to six months in a place and and really dig in and learn about the places that we are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not constant forward motion. Mm -hmm. And what was the last, where was the last place you were before you came to America? Uh, We 
We were three months in Australia. We did a, a bit of a house sit there for some people down near Melbourne. And then we, before that, we were six months in New Zealand in a camper van, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, I didn't. I talked to you just as you were going to do that. What was that like? <clears throat> it was great. Camper vanning in New Zealand is a fantastic way to see the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as open-ended and easy as it was maybe 10 years ago. The country has really ratcheted down on some of the free camping and things like that. But it's a really fantastic place to be if you're into outdoor adventures and climbing and hiking and there's just so many beautiful things to see there six months was a wonderful length of time we would have loved longer um Mm -hmm. but you know we'll take what we can get (laughs) well and you you talk about living your dreams and you and nancy yes um have a have a blog and i i actually got to speak to her thank thanks for the introduction on that one, oh, you, you have a blog about living your dreams and living the epic life. And, you know, she, she said you, can, you don't have to get out there and do something really wild and crazy to be living your dream. Your dream might just be sitting by the fire in your little um, home in the middle of Idaho. <laughs> that might be your dream. So, um, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it seems to me like it's, it's more about living intentionally and doing doing the thing that, that you really want to do with your life rather than living by default. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to be different for every person. And that's part of what's wonderful. So you can live your dream absolutely anywhere. And do you consider that you're still living your dream when you're in America? I mean, is, is that the same kind of thing? Or is it more when you're abroad that that comes to life? Well, for me, of course, America is abroad because I wasn't born here. Okay. <laughs> but... but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really not about our location at all, so much as it is about the way we're choosing to see the world. And, you know, we're we're in America for three or four months, like we were in Australia for three or four months, like we were in New Zealand for six months or Thailand for six months. And um, it's, it's another place that we enjoy very much. Mm-hmm. And we're fortunate to have family and roots here. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely still living our dream. And obviously getting our kids educated, getting their driving licenses, that's part of our responsibility as parents and part of their dream. Um, So, you know, it's not just, I think, about any one person's desires, but it's about the needs of the whole family and what we are all working towards together. Driving licenses, are you teaching them or are they going to a school? Um, Both. We've been working with them, of course, but they in New Hampshire, they have to take a a class by law if they want to get their license before they turn 18. So they're in the middle of that right now, and it's going really well. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. So you have a car. We have a car at the moment. Yep. We purchased one from some fellow travelers when we we got back, and we will probably keep that for a while because we intend to be um, in North America more or less for the next little while. Okay. I know that your, your your latest blog, or one of them, was asking about, we're going on a cruise, I you know, I have some questions. Now, yes. to me, that seems um, as though it's a completely, well, it's a complete departure from what you're used to, because <laughs> it's going to be totally organized, but it's only going to be for a week, so you'll be fine. And I will can... be fine. People thought that, that was an April Fool's joke. I didn't realize that I posted it on the first, and, and loads of people said, oh, ha, ha. April Fool's, I said, no, really, we're actually going on a cruise and we need to know what to do about that. I know, I know. And I, and I would think that the week will go so fast that you'll probably want to stay up for as long as you possibly can and enjoy as much as you possibly can. How many yeah. how many different places in Alaska does that one-week cruise hit? Um, Four or five. I'm not actually sure mm-hmm. because I'm not the one 
and organizing it, we're going with family as a, a, a family celebration of a 25th anniversary. And so um, the family that is hosting that um, is organizing it, and they've chosen the, the particular crews and destinations. So it'll be, it'll be a different sort of adventure for sure. It will. But Alaska is the last state that I haven't been to, so that'll okay. be fun too. Okay. Yes, it will be. And you're going at the – when are you going? End at the July. end of August. Oh, end of July. You're going in, yes. in the beginning of August. So probably about the warmest it will ever get. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm not one for cold weather, really. All right. So um, that was something that you had planned to do like 10 years ago, you said in your in your blog. And I thought, OK, well, I suppose if you've planned it that far in advance, you really can't, <laughs> really can't back out now. But probably the most practical way to see Alaska, I can't imagine walking or hiking or doing anything through there. So well, we're, we're treating it as a reconnaissance trip and we hope to go back eventually with, right. a, with a vehicle and do some overland travel in yeah. the summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because everything you see from the ship is, is coastal because my, <coughs> yeah, my, my daughter did that. She worked on a cruise line for three months. And so everywhere she went was, was coastal. It was a good way of, you know, seeing these places and deciding, okay, I'd love to go back there. Nah, I can, I could yeah. leave. I'll never, no, never have to go back there again. So your family, yeah, your family is going off and um, going on their own adventures for the first time. Is this going to be the first time that they've gone off and done this? No, or? It's not the first time, but, but it's, it's the biggest time. And it's the first time that they've all sort of have gone at once. Um, our daughter did some backpacking with friends when she was about 14 in Belize. And our son worked on a farm for a month when he was 13 away from us. And they've, they've had some small adventures. But uh, this summer, it just seems like the, the year that they've all got places to go and things to do. So that's a, a new stage of life for us. And it, it's really exciting to watch. So tell us what they're doing. Okay, well, Hannah, who is 17, has got plans to backpack around Europe with a friend, and they will be gone for about six weeks, I mm -hmm. think, uh, mm -hmm. June into July. Mm -hmm. um, our middle two boys, Gabriel, who will be 16 next week, and Elisha, who is 13, they both have jobs in the Midwest uh, in Indiana, not at the same place. Gabe's going to be working um, as an intern at a hydroponic farm for a month this spring and then probably two or three months in the fall. Mm -hmm. And Elisha is going to be working with my in-laws at the restaurants that they own. He really okay. took a liking to that when we were home at Christmas. And so they've invited him back to work for a bit this summer. Mm -hmm. um, and then my husband and Ezra are going to be in an off-the-grid cabin in northern Ontario. No electricity, no running water, just have to take a boat to get there there's no road to it it's where I was born mm -hmm. so that's going to be a really cool adventure for them mm -hmm. and are your do your parents live there uh my parents do live in Canada but this this cabin is actually one, one that my grandfather built and my uncle kind of curates for the family and and Tony and Ez are gonna spend about a month up there just fishing and climbing around and doing the things that they do yeah. um, and I, I didn't mention I guess that I'm going to Spain and France to walk the Camino de Santiago with a, a high school friend of mine yes well you see you did say what everybody else was doing and I picked up uh, I don't know where it was that you were writing that and I went I wonder what Jennifer's doing <laughs> so, so tell us what you're doing again I'm going to walk about 800 kilometers from France into Spain mm -hmm. uh, along an ancient pilgrimage route called the Camino de Santiago. Mm -hmm. uh, and my, I'm doing that with a friend of mine that I, I've known since we were 15, and we're doing it to celebrate our 40th birthday. Everybody's doing off doing their own thing. That's, all, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And um, 
then everybody has to come back to go on the cruise. And you were saying that you had to prepare everything before you all went off in the middle of May. And how easy, right. how easy is that, having to do that in advance? Well, it's just something I'm not really used to. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's fine. We're collecting the, the, the clothing that we need and, you know, the, the things that have to be had for that. Um, mm-hmm. I realized the other day that my, my two boys who have jobs in the Midwest, they're going to leave before everyone else. They'll leave about the 1st of May, and I won't see them again until about a week and a half before the cruise in July. So uh, uh. <laughs> I was saying to them, please don't grow too much because I don't know what we'll do about the clothing if you do. Oh, I know. I know. The, the formal wear, the the aunt, that, the godmother that we're going with, it's important to her that we attend all of the formal dinners. Well, our kids oh. don't really have that kind of clothing, so we've been hunting for, for suits and tuxedos and formal dresses and things that, you know, we, we normally wouldn't have in our backpacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And this is the beginning, I suppose, of, you said your oldest son is, your oldest daughter is 17, and then your oldest son is 16. The yep. two of them are going to be moving on here, I'm sure. Um, they are. And slowly but surely you're kind of weaning yourself from them and letting them go. How, 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 are, you, how are you dealing with that? How's that working? You know, so far so good. And I, I, I'm reticent to say how it's going until it's actually gone because I, I don't think that there's that I can make predictions of how that will go. No, but but at this point, we're, we're doing great and they're doing really well. Um, you know, Hannah's been doing her university work for a couple of years online, so she's kind of had one foot out the door that way. Um, and this year, they both plan to spend a fair bit of time away from the family sort of as a, a transitional year. So we expect that by this time next year, she will be heading off to a, a brick-and-mortar university to finish up her degree. Mm-hmm. And um, Gabe has plans to do some sailing and some other things. So we actively encourage them to to do those things away from us. This winter, when we are planning to live in Guatemala, the two of them have plans to rent their own little house in the village and live separately. <laughs> oh, okay. So you are planning on going back to Guatemala. I was going to ask you about that because I yeah. can remember the first time I spoke to you, you said that that was the place that you would want to go. Yes. Well, we've, we've been there a couple of times. Uh, when we first discovered it, we were there for on this particular lake for a couple of weeks. And then the following year, we lived there for six months and... Uh, this winter, we're going to go, and my parents are going to go with us, and we're going to all spend three months together living in that in that village. And so that's going to be wonderful too, because it'll be a fantastic multi generational adventure, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the the two oldest are going to branch out on their own into, into they their are, own yeah. They're going to rent their own little cabin, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see what they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, do they do they work? Will they work? I mean, you, you said about the two boys who are going to the Midwest, and they're going to be working. What mm-hmm. what other does Hannah work? I know she's very musical, so has she? Sold yeah, she any? does work. Yeah. Uh, no, she's not, I don't think, pursuing music professionally. She okay. just enjoys that recreationally, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she does some freelance writing and editing online. So she works for a magazine and she she writes for several websites and she writes regularly for a, an unschooling magazine and some, you know, things like that. So she has small ways to make money as she goes. She's actively working on developing more. She's getting her TESOL certification this year, which will allow her to teach English Mm-hmm. Um, and it will hopefully be a good fit with what her degree plans are. And yeah, there, she said to me the other day, I think I'm ready. I just need to find ways to make money, which is absolutely accurate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's the bottom line, isn't it? And sometimes it's not exactly what it, it brings in the money. Like my daughter, who's a performer, 
she's also a barista, so she can get a job anywhere in the world mm. working in a particular coffee shop. But she doesn't enjoy it particularly. I mean, she likes the the um, gregariousness of it and is very perky. But she yeah. really doesn't like doing that because she'd rather be on stage dancing. Sure. But, but it's, it's her real... About... Yes, that's right. If she needs money quickly for rent or whatever, she just she knows she can get a job really fast doing that. So. Okay, we've come to the um, first break of our conversation. So I'm going to just break here for a few moments and we'll be back in just a minute. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman. On toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Jennifer, listening to you, it sounds as though your dynamics within your family are changing, definitely. You've got your two older children and they are eventually going to be moving on and becoming independent. Then you've got the two younger ones. Are you, are you and your husband still planning on doing the same thing? I know this is your life. This is your lifestyle and your philosophy. But how are things going to change? Are you going to stay longer in places? Are you still going to be doing the world travel? You've, done, you've been around the world, haven't you, pretty much? Um, um, you know, that's an interesting question, and I, I don't know if it's one that we can necessarily answer until we're, we're there. Yeah. I can tell you what our what our plans are, but I know that life doesn't always go to plan. Um, we intend in the next couple of years to build a, a home base on a property in Canada okay. that my, my family owns in order to facilitate my parents being able to retire the way they want to and to take over the heavy lifting on this 70 acres that, that they have mm-hmm. um, and use that as a base and continue to travel. But I, I think um, it'll, it'll be different at that point because we're going to invest the next decade or so in picking up some of the legacy that my parents have handed us and uh, curating that for our children and our grandchildren eventually. Um, and we do intend to keep traveling. I can see us maybe splitting our time half a year in Canada and half a year abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we'll see. So you say splitting your legacy that your parents have built for you. Mm-hmm. You have siblings. What? How many siblings do you have? I have just one brother, and mm-hmm. he lives in British 
Columbia. His family's quite young. His boys are three and one, mm-hmm. and um, they've got big plans to sail around the world and to do some exciting things. <laughs> All right. Uh, and but my, you know, my parents have this property that they've had forever, and they started talking a few years ago about needing to sell it as they got older. And we all kind of just went, oh, yeah. no, you can't do that. It's, you know, my dad has spent 40 years making this place into a park and it's just fantastic. It's in the Thousand Islands in Canada. Mm-hmm. And um, we, my husband and I just decided that, that what we wanted to do was to um, offer to take over that, the work and the cost associated with that property so that my parents could enjoy the fruit of their labors for their mm-hmm. remaining years and continue to live there. And we would, we would take over the, the heavy lifting, essentially. So mm-hmm. we're in the process right now of, of making that happen. And um, so it, it will be a different season, I think. But my parents are also fantastic travelers, and they intend to begin traveling with us a bit this year. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to change the dynamic, but I, I think it'll be a good thing. Well, that's, that's what you said, that your parents, I can remember you saying that your parents also um, picked up and took you to Mexico during one year of your school or some part of your schooling. And you, you know, so they are also travelers and adventurers and not. They are. Yeah. Yeah. One of the neat things we have planned for next July, uh, 2015 is I've been invited to speak at a a global summit on women's issues for teenage girls. That's going to happen in Peru. And my mother is going along to speak also and as an arts coordinator and facilitator. And my daughter is going along as one of the youth mentors. Mm-hmm. So three generations of our family will get to go to Peru, which is a place that's really important in my mom's life and, and history, and, uh, and be there together. So, you know, I, I don't know. I think life changes and the way we travel changes and the things that we plan to do um, change. But those are all, to me, good things. And I, I'm excited about that. And it's, a, it's, it's the way your family, it's your whole family philosophy, but it's not necessarily a giving up of being stable or stability because you're talking now about going in, going to your parents' place and they can be able to retire the way they want to. So you're, you're willing to, you know, settle down a little bit and, and, and do that. Is it inside you? Is it, is it, it's not as if you're running away from anything. A lot of people who travel a lot, you think, hmm, what are they running away from? I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean our homeschool, the, the people that, I, that I've been interviewing. But in general, some people will do that. For yeah. you, it's definitely um, within. There's, there's something going on inside that propels you forward. And, and that's the way you want, you and your husband want to live their lives. And uh, it's it's remar- it's quite remarkable. Well, I, I mean, for I can't speak for everyone, and I I have met people that I you wonder you know what their motivation is and if they're running, and I I don't think I think you can begin traveling running from something, but I don't think it's sustainable long term. Eventually, who you are catches mm-hmm. up with you, and you you know you have to you have to work through those things. And in our family, the travel as well as the the longer term legacy in one place are, are part of our family culture and something that. Um, you know, my parents were actively supportive of us taking off with the kids and they think it's a fantastic thing that we've done in the last six years with them. And they're equally excited that we're going to put up a little home base near them and take them along on some of our journeys and, and invest time there. Um, to me, it's not a trade of one or the other. It's just a continuation of, of the next thing. And I don't view it as a, as a stopping or as a giving up of anything. To me, it's an absolute privilege to be allowed to 
continue in something that my parents have really invested their lives and their hearts in building. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a gift that they've given me. I, I say regularly, I feel like I won the cosmic lottery with my family because <laughs> they are they are everything that you could expect parents to be. And no family is perfect, but they, they absolutely had the best of intentions and did their best at every point. Um, and to me, it's quite a gift to, to have had my children young and to be, you know, only in my early 40s as they are taking off. And I'm going to have the next chapter of my life to be able to um, gift my parents with some of what they gifted me with. And I, I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be a really, really fun way to spend the next decade. And your husband's family, where are they? They're in Indiana. Um, and we are quite connected with them, too. They're going to be here next week. In fact, they have come to Guatemala and traveled with us before. I think they probably back again this winter when we're there. Um, and we're, yeah, we're really connected to them. They don't have a, a property in the same sense to, to curate as my parents do. They live in a neighborhood. Um, but our, our family legacy on both sides is really important to us. You've obviously grown with this, not necessarily a nomadic or a traveling um, way of life, but just a, a way of thinking about life and how to best gain experience, uh, very hands-on living in the culture, living, living, really living, I suppose, is what, it, what you would call it. Now, there are some people that haven't had that opportunity, but might look at your family and think, goodness, how could I do something like that? How could I get out there? And, and you know, what would you say to them? It's, it's not something they can just jump off and join you where you are, because you've been doing this for so long. So what would be the first step for somebody to do this with their family? Um, you know, I think learning to dream together and really just mm-hmm. defining, defining what you want out of life and being intentional about that, you know, at the moment which we stop living by default and start living intentionally, um, is a turning point and not want to do what we do. And not everybody who does want to do what we do would choose to do it our way. And I, I'm reticent ever to tell people how they should do something. Um, but but I, I just, it is my fervent hope, and if you've spoken with Nancy, you know, you know that she and I share this. We, we really have a desire for people to um, live their lives fully and intentionally in doing the thing that pleases them. Yes, yes, the most. And anything I, anything I can do to, to, to help people along that path, I, I'm willing to do, because I think those are the kinds of gifts that we give to one another that, that matter most eternally. And you like to walk I know that you, you've got a, a walking blog tell us about one of the most unusual walks perhaps that you may have done well it's unusual walk so that's a hard <laughs> question um hmm well I once walked when we were in Guatemala I took a boat to another town and, and walked and hitchhiked along this road quite a ways to uh, a small volcano and climbed mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. that was a fun thing and sat oh, at the right. top and overlooked the lake and then walked and hitchhiked my way back um and that was an adventure <laughs> and you don't you don't just walk for short periods of time when you go out for a walk you go, you tend to go for hours or what how do you do that you know it depends in daily life I take a lot of short walks I, mm-hmm. I try to take some longer walks too uh it depends on on the opportunity it's not something that I'm particularly religious about it's just something that I enjoy doing and I try to take the opportunity to do whenever I can mm-hmm. um yeah, I took a lot of winter hikes this year, looking at the animal tracks and enjoying the snow because we hadn't had that in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you ski? Are you a skiing family? 
We downhill ski, which is fun. I do some cross-country skiing, but, of course, only when we're in a place that has enough snow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what does the snow look like in New Hampshire? Well, it's finally starting to fade, but we had about three feet on the level, which was seeming like an awful lot to us. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's, you know, pushing the middle of April now, and it's finally beginning to melt. Now, your children... Um, leaving, moving on. The younger two are 12 and about to be 14. And then the older two are 16. Then you've got 16 and 17. Yep. So Hannah is already doing college work. Now, she, yes. did, did you say that she was going to actually go to a, a university or is she going to keep doing it online? Yeah, she well, she's doing it online for now. Um, but she does want to go to a university because the program that she wants is not available online. There was last fall was a big decision point for her on that because she needed to to commit one direction or the other so that we would be able to focus her studies in the way that that was most productive for her. But she's going to go probably to a university in Canada next, not this fall, but next fall mm-hmm. to finish up what she's got left. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Gabriel will be starting some of his university work um, later this year. So, and what, yeah. is, what is he interested in? Uh, he is interested in sailing around the world. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's what he wants to do. So, oh, I so think, maybe he could go with your brother. He is definitely thinking about that. My um, brother has, has circumnavigated once when he was a young man, and um, yeah, now he wants to do it with his children, and I think Gabe would be very game for that. Uh, yeah. We have some. We have a sailboat in Canada that he plans spend some time on this summer and I think you know education wise he's considering marine sciences of some sort or or perhaps even the coast guard we'll see Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you are very serious about your homeschooling when you're on the road people presume that if you're if you're traveling that maybe they're the you know living in the culture and just absorbing what's going on around you is education enough but you've said you say that each one of your children is going to be provided with the tools to go to college and I, I think if I had a kid that absolutely didn't want to attend university, then I would want to know what their plan was to further their education in a way that was going to, you know, make them financially viable and, and productive. I, um, I don't insist necessarily that they get a four-year degree somewhere, but we do insist that they do something productive with their, with their young adult lives and something that's to their educational benefit. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, we've come to the end of our time together today that went by really fast <laughs> I, think got, I think we got an awful lot of um, information in there thank you so much for joining me and you have a wonderful cruise in July end of July I'll be looking I'll be checking your your blog, your blog to see how that happened but of course there's lots of things going on between now and then so I wish your family safety and happiness and um, I wish you all the best and thank you so much Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's always lovely to talk with you. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station.
why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. I've been talking to Jennifer Miller, currently in New Hampshire, still abroad for her. We talked about their upcoming adventures, taking them in opposite directions for a couple of months before reconvening for an Alaskan cruise. Visit Jennifer at www.adventureproject.com. I have her site linked on my front Toginet page and my website, The Sociable Homeschooler. And discover how the family have spent the last many years in uninterrupted travel, choosing to invest most of their time and money in memories that keep instead of possessions, cars, clothes, knickknacks and noisy toys that rust or gather dust. Today we talked about how Jennifer is adapting to the changes occurring in her life and how she's encouraging her children forward in this last phase of childhood rather than holding on to them tightly. I'm so grateful to Jennifer for always finding time to talk to me no matter where she is in the world and for inspiring all of us on our journey to homes- as homeschoolers and parents. By the way, the Nancy I was referring to at the top of the conversation is Nancy Sathry Vogel of Family on Bikes fame. Go check out her interview with me too. Jennifer certainly does model a very different way to homeschool that goes against the stereotypical idea of kitchen tables, basements being sheltered and, as she said, staying home. Having sold both my homes and moved out of my mother-in-law's home last week, I find living without a permanent shelter I can call mine a little bit disconcerting. My blue-eyed cowboy seems quite content to have all his worldly possessions in a storage unit that he can visit once in a while. For me, every time I put something away behind the pull-down door, I say goodbye to it for good. I'm sure once again God is preparing me for something. My Texan just isn't ready to settle at the moment. A year ago, you would have thought it would have been the other way around. I had no idea I needed a secure position on the globe from which to get my bearings. Travelling for years at a time wouldn't suit me at the moment, but who knows what the future holds. Jennifer definitely feels it's a brilliant way to expose her children to all kinds of people and situations. She writes, The real world is a much better socialiser and prepares children much more adequately to deal with the realities of cross-age gap communication, learning and collaboration. Jennifer speaks for all of us when she says... My children are equally comfortable on a chicken bus, chatting away in a mixture of second or third language and hand gestures with complete strangers, at a huge campout filled with lifelong friends in New Hampshire, eating in a market sitting on five-gallon buckets or in a five-star restaurant. They've learned to say no to drugs by hanging out in Amsterdam and save sex for later by attending cabbages and condoms in Thailand. They've learned about the consequences of those choices and hundreds of others, both good and bad, from the parade of strangers we invite for dinner and who we employ as prime teachers and socialisers for our children. 
Most homeschoolers who travel have said this very thing. By being out in the world in countries that are not Western, a lot of life can be seen and a lot of lessons can be learned. Jennifer continues, Nothing like staring into the blank eyes of an addict to get that it's not a rewarding path. Nothing like hearing war stories from Israeli pilots to evaluate politics, the separation of government policy from the individual, and to develop compassion. Nothing for inspiration to chase hard after your dreams like a big dude with dreads who plays beautiful music and uses the money he makes to change the world for a double handful of kids in Honduras. Surely this is real socialization and real education in the real world. I'd say her children are very lucky to be having this kind of education. How many children can say they've even been to any of these places to live, let alone had real conversations with the real locals? As I said to Renee Tugar before she headed off to through hike the Appalachian Trail with her family, what we do as parents is in the minority. How many people get to follow their dreams? write for a living, make films, fly birds in wildlife shows, perform on stage, write musicals, walk in nature whenever we want to, not be tied to a nine-to-five schedule and a mortgage with two cars. While Dortz was working on Ibero Cruise Line, she represented 2.5% of the total staff who were involved in performing. These people were all being paid for what was their passion. The rest of the crew were working because it was a job. Let's always remember this and consider ourselves blessed. Of course, there are those who can make their jobs fulfilling by having rich inner lives and great attitudes. Dawes just texted me and said, A customer service rep from my bank just turned my day around. She was so nice, and her dog's name is Cannoli. I made sure to tell her what a pleasure it was talking to her, to which I replied, And you probably made her day too. Now let's talk about friends and whether we homeschoolers have enough and are are they real. I ask myself that question often because my children have people they call friends whom I would only call acquaintances. For me, a friend is someone I can confide in, let into my life and trust in everything, including to tell me the truth when I don't look good in something or if my writing leaves something to be desired. My friend, whose house we've been staying in when she's away, called and asked if we could house-sit and look after her dogs over the Easter weekend, and I said, "'Oh, good, now I can have my party!' She burst out laughing and said, "'Only you would say that. "'It's been so nice having you enjoy my house. "'You feel just like a sister, and I'm tearing up. "'That's a friend in my book.' Jennifer asks, "'Is the validity, the realness of a friendship, based on longevity? "'Is it based on having daily interaction in the real world?' Is it the quality of a love or a support group determined by the hours spent face-to-face? Can I be real friends with someone I've only met once or perhaps never met at all? Jennifer goes on to tell about a pen pal she'd had since she was a tiny girl. She was the niece of my fifth-grade teacher who, when we started writing, lived in Hong Kong. We still exchanged Christmas cards almost 30 years later. We grew up together, went through our college days together, got married, had kids, and have shared a lot of things that really matter over the years. And here's the kicker. I've never met her. Is she my real friend? Well, of course she is. And I agree. I loved the way digital communication allowed me to keep up a steady communication with my children while I was 4,000 miles away in England for a couple of years. Jennifer tells how her goddaughter tells her jokes a couple of mornings each week over Facebook chat. 
She's written a book about without ever being in the same room with her collaborator and writing partner, who was considered a dear friend, who she'd spent all of six hours with in the three years of their friendship. She talks to her oldest friend every single morning, night time for him, and they often go years between visits. Jennifer continues, "We don't want our kids to be normally socialized or educated. Why?" Because our culture at large is messing it up big time. Take a look around and tell me if it isn't. Just a cursory glance at statistics makes that clear. There's no evidence other than the empirical one, my own childhood and the parenting of many families with grown children that we admire, that what we're doing is going to come out any better. But we have great hopes on that front, and so far, so good. This is what Jennifer and many of us want to feel about. Our parenting, when the time with our children is at an end, that we've given extraordinary effort to give them every last living bit of ourselves, and of what was within our reach to provide for them to start them on their way. Jennifer says, "I want them to learn to dream big, do hard things, work like crazy, serve with their whole hearts, and not be afraid to fall flat on their faces in the attempt of the seemingly impossible." They come from a long line of people who have done the seemingly impossible. Here, here, Jennifer, go to her website and read her her blogs about friendships and socialization yourselves. And that's it for another week. I'm astonished that an hour has blown by just when I want to savor these final weeks before heading off again without my children to a new place. This coming week is Holy Week, so lots of church services, which I love. Perhaps the children will be able to join us at one or two, and I was probably only joking about an Easter party. We may do brunch at home instead with the Scotties, Rigsby, and McTavish. Thank you for listening to the Sociable Homeschooler, where I am busting the stereotype by bringing you guests who may make you think I could do that and totally change your life. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I will be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband, who believes in love at first sight, our four children, who are the result of that belief, the hard-working staff at Tokenet Radio, my producer Sabrina, my guest this week Jennifer Miller, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina, and oodles of others, who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned to Tokenet all the time and catch. Lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care, be safe, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you His kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop 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 doo. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 central on toginet.com.